This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. Remember, the Mike Francesa Podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app for all of your wagering needs. It's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. But go to the Bet Rivers app, which will be new and improved very soon. So check that out, and you'll get everything you need there for all of your wagering uh, and odds and everything else that you're looking for. You'll get all of it uh, right there. Uh, at the uh, Bet Rivers app. So um, before I get to any uh, stuff, let me tell you that, number one, we will do the Preakness tomorrow. It will be up by noon. Uh, I'll be joined by Brad Thomas. We'll go over everything. Um, Derby winner Mage is in the race. He should be the favorite. Uh, The next two horses will be newcomers in the odds, uh, both the... Uh, Lexington Handicap winner and uh, Baffitt's Horse National Treasure uh, will be the next two horses. Uh, National Treasure has trained very well for Baffitt, which is always dangerous. And you also can't overlook the McGehee horse, a performer who uh, supplements to the race uh, off a win. And uh, really coming out of a maiden special weight into an into a stake race, wins a stake race, and then supplements for this race. Shug McGee is an old-time horseman, and he's a great horseman, a legendary horseman. He would not, did not embarrass himself. He would not supplement a horse, or he would talk his connections out of supplementing a horse if he did not think the horse had some kind of chance. Uh, he clearly has to like... Uh, some of the stuff he's seen from performer, or he would uh, not be supplementing to this race. He's too good a horseman, and he's too much of an old school horseman, okay, uh, to do that. He just he wouldn't do that, and I think he must feel the horse has got a chance to put on a good show and get a piece of this, and be on the board. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done this. Um, we'll get to that though with our. Preakness pick, Brad and myself, uh, tomorrow. Uh, and obviously, we'll be talking about Major West Trainwell. Uh, it's a very lackluster Preakness field other than Mage. Um, so, uh, Mage does have a chance. Although, one thing you have to understand here, Mage is not a handy horse. He's not a horse who you can push, but, push a button and put him in any part of the race. He can't be on top. He's not going to be able to sit a trip. He is a closer. He is a flat-out come-from-behind horse, which means he needs a pace and a trip. Now, the trip he'll get in the Preakness, that will not be a problem. But will he get the pace he needs in this race? That is going to be a big issue and a big part of this in in the buildup 
will he get a pace to close into like he got in the Derby? He got both the pace and the trip in the Derby, and you need both. And when you do, that's usually the requisite. That's usually what produces the Derby winner is the pace and the trip and a closer wins it. That's usually uh, what happens. All right, as we said, we'll get to your uh, emails as we uh, often do. Um, and remember, you can send them to us at podcast at gmail.com, and we will get to as many uh, as we can. Doug starts us off with, what did you make of the uh, Aaron Judge, Blue Jays, cheating stuff? Not much. You know, I usually find this stuff very silly. Um, I'm not a big believer in the advantage of stealing signs. Uh, most Many players I've talked to don't even want to know. Um, some guys have been good at stealing signs going way back. Okay. Uh, Mickey Mantle was supposed to be very good at that, as an example. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are good at picking things up off the bench. But the bottom line is you're just looking to be sitting on a fastball. If you're wrong, you're going to look silly. If you're, if you're right, you know what? You still got to hit it. And if you get a good one, you can hit it. So, I mean, I don't, especially with Judge, you know what? He's getting a lot of information from a lot of good places with all the home runs he hits. So, uh, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. You know what? He's just, we know what Judge can do. We've seen him do it a million times. So I'm not saying somebody on the bench didn't see something. That's their want. As long as they're not stealing it electronically, they're not doing anything illegal. If they can steal something from the bench, if they can pick something up off the bench, it's legal. It's not illegal. So the whole thing is silly to me. It always has been. Philip in Jersey, uh, what has happened to Max Scherzer? We're still learning that. Clearly, he has not had the stuff this year, the put-away stuff. He's still getting some strikeouts. He's still getting a strikeout in inning in his very limited appearances. Um He's been hit hard. He's given up some home runs. Uh, But you don't see the crispness and the real edge that he's had in the past with any of his pitches right now. And so, but let's look, you know, he's only thrown a handful of innings. So let's give it a little more time here before we either bury him. Uh, Now, is there a reason for concern? Absolutely. Absolutely. Plenty of reason for concern. But I would not yet very sure. So let's, go, let's wait a little while and see what we see. Um, Mike emails us, uh, the Knicks need to move on from Barrett. What do you think? Um, I'm, not a, I'm not against moving on from Barrett. I really want to move on from Randall. Um, the team will be better when he's not here. It will take on a different feel when he's not here. Barrett... I don't love him, never have, but I don't hate him either. He's got some ability. Um, he can be useful. I don't think he's ever going to be great. But if I w- could put him in a package to get the right player, I would do it. The Knicks need a bona fide guy uh, to complement with Brunson. Brunson can be, with a really good team, can be a, a high two player, but he can't be the player if you're going to win a championship. Uh, he's really good player. He's not a great player, but he's a really good player. And he's a really good leader. 
And he can be a very, very good number two. And he can be the leader. You just need another player. Um, you know, we can talk about all different guys to get, but right now it's all pipe dream. Let's, let's wait and see how things uh, shape out. Obviously, the big news, San Antonio expects to be back now that they have won the lottery in a year where you want to win the lottery. Because obviously there's a generational player in everybody's regard waiting in the wings. So let's see how that unfolds. Uh, Tony emails, I feel like Riley, I guess that's Pat Riley, I would assume, never gets discussed with the great executives in sports. He's done a great job uh, in Miami for a long time. He's done an incredible job. And you're right. Riley, the coach, has gotten plenty of attention. Riley, the executive, and what he's done in Miami has not gotten the attention. He has kept them good for a very long time, and they're always around. And he has done a great job with that franchise, and he has turned Spolstra. He has helped develop Spolstra, and Spolstra has become the best coach in the NBA. Um, That will be on display starting this evening. Um, Riley has done a great job. I made this point in the past, and I think it's as high a compliment as I can pay. I said in my lifetime here, and that includes, you know, 35 years on the air, I thought the biggest loss this city had in terms of a coach or an executive was Pat Riley leaving the Knicks. And that takes in a lot of ground. So that is a very, very high compliment. What Riley brought to the Garden and what the Garden lost when he left was incalculable. Uh, it would have been cheap to keep him at three times the price that he wanted. He did want a lot. And listen, he asked for a lot. He got paid a lot. He got excesses that were absurd. I mean, some of them just you shook your head. But you know what? He was able to demand these things. On top of his salary, he used to demand an expense amount, an expense a fee. every. He had an amount of money he got as a, for expenses every day. The man made a fortune, and he still wanted expenses paid for. I mean, but, hey, he could get away with it. The bottom line is he was worth whatever. When someone's that good, you pay them because they're worth it. He was worth it. And I don't think I can pay a higher company than to say that in my lifetime, the guy who really left the bigger void than anyone else was Pat Riley. Uh, Orlando asks, when was the first moment you knew that Mike and the Mad Dog was going to be a success? Um, good question and, you know, easy to answer now, but this is truthful. We had a very rough start. It was exceedingly rough. I don't think people understand how rough it was. It was really bad. It was not pretty. And we both fought it and we fought it like tooth and nail. We did not want to be together. We did not want to work together. Uh, both people being pulled in all different directions. It, w- it was a mess. Okay, it was, it was uh, being analyzed and criticized on a daily basis. It was getting enormous discussion in the morning and everywhere else, uh, in the media every day. I mean, it was, it was a huge topic. But to me... And I give him credit for this because he had to 
allow this to happen. But I thought where the thing gelled for the first time and where I saw a light at the end of the tunnel was the contest that I created called Dog Day to Afternoon. It was my idea, and he went along with it. And it was a smash. It got a tremendous amount of attention. It got a tremendous amount of play. Uh, and he did a great job with it. He embraced it, which he didn't have to do. And I thought that was the moment where it kind of went in the right direction. And I personally saw a light in the end of the tunnel, but I'm not going to lie. We did not stop fighting it completely until we saw the ratings because then we knew we were wasting our breath. The ratings turnaround was so enormous and everyone was so over the moon and it wasn't a couple of months. You know, they had given us a salary, which, you know, um, I'll even tell you now at the time, um, I, if, I, I might be wrong about this, but this is as best I remember it. They didn't d- debate a salary. They just offered me a salary and said, take it or leave it. Uh, they offered me a th- three one-year contracts, their option. On those days, you worked on a 13-month, uh, 13-week option, really. They could get rid of you after 13 weeks. They just Every time it recycled you, you had 13 more weeks coming up. That was it. That was by rule. Um, but until you get a guaranteed deal, which didn't come yet for a little while. Um, if I remember right, and this is the best of my re- recollection, um, I got offered, and I think he did the same, uh, 100, 100, 110, 120, 130 for three years. And they ripped that up about two months in, three, maybe three months in. They ripped that up and gave us a long-term contract. Um, but everything changed when the ratings came out. So after that, there was no discussion. There wasn't anything to discuss. We were... We were together. We were going to be together. There was just no way around it. So there was nothing, you know, they were not going to break up a show with that kind of success. The show just took off. And after the ratings came out and everyone saw what happened, everyone who said it wouldn't work just had to just shut up because, hey, it was working. And then the second book was one of the biggest books in the history of the station. So there was, you know, there was nothing to discuss after that. Uh, Timmy and Elmwood, uh, golf feels like it's lost a lot of its juice. Did you think the uh, LIV would uh, have this kind of an impact? No. Um, I didn't know what the impact would be. I knew it made a lot of guys rich. I mean, it made Phil rich. Well, Phil was rich, but Phil evidently had some financial problems. That's what everyone assumes, why he jumped at the money. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson, Butch Kepka, Cameron Smith all got over $100 million to join. Um, it has hurt them, but it has hurt golf more. 
And I'll just use me as an example. And I've said this, I've said this to the golf people. I've said it to, you know, my, you know, great friend Jim Nance. And I said, Jim, you know, I'm just not watching golf as much. I'll watch the majors. I'll watch the PGA this weekend. But I'm not watching the regular tournaments as much. I miss the guys who aren't here. And I'm not watching live. I'm not watching it. I've never watched one of their tournaments, not one minute of one of their tournaments. But I'm not watching as much of the PGA anymore. And that's the, that's the problem. You don't have Tiger Woods. Phil's going to live, and he could add something, but he's not going to add a lot anymore at 53 years old. But look what he did at the Mastia. You know, he finished second, and he was brilliant. Um, you lose Kepka, you lose Cameron Smith, you lose Dustin Johnson, you lose guys like that. That hurts. Um, I don't know how they put it back together, but they need to. It really has hurt golf a lot. I, I really feel that way. I have some thoughts on the PGA, which gets underway tomorrow in Rochester uh, when we finish the uh, emails. Uh, ben asked, do you think Buck could be in trouble? I don't think so. But I'll tell you this, Buck needs to, if he hasn't already, he really needs to let this team have it. I know that's not his way, but I'll tell you something. How many times have we watched where they don't know how many outs there are? How many times have they just made listless plays and had no life? I mean, stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Um, That is intolerable. And listen, they screwed up. They screwed up on so many ways building this team. We went through that. And they need big bats. Now, I don't mind them going down and reaching first for their kids and see where they are. Tonight, they bring Vientos up. Vientos doesn't have a position, though. That's the problem. He's a DH. You got Beatty to play third base. You know, now you're going to do what? Platoon them? First of all, Vientos isn't a good fielder. He's a DH. He's a good offensive player. So now they're going to give him a chance to come up here tonight. He's playing third base. But the problem is, right now, what they need is they need a hitter to jumpstart the lineup. They need a big, they, they need a Thunderbat. They need a Don Clendenin if you go back to 69. They need a big, booming bat in the middle of that lineup that will protect Alonzo. And will also drive in a lot of runs and scare people. They need a big bat in the middle of that lineup. And a lot of the guys that they were counting on aren't doing the job. It's a it's a you know very, very top heavy team for a couple of players. They still need a bat. I think they'll go get them. But they're trying to see how many of the kids... Listen, you're not going to have a whole handful of kids carry the team. I want to let the catcher catch. I want to let Beatty play a lot. Let's see Vientos. Okay, let's see how he is. Let's see what he does. Yeah, he had a couple bats before. I, I, I have to really zero in on him. and let, Let's see. He's got a good offensive reputation, not a defensive, not a defensive one. But they have a lot of work to do. I don't think Buck... I don't think Buck is in trouble, but I do think he really needs to let this team have what for. And I don't know if he has or he hasn't. I mean, you know, like I said, it's not really his way. 
I promise you we would do more on the Yankees and the Mets as we get towards uh, the Memorial Day weekend, which is always the first time to sit back and take a look. We'll also look at the odds the rest of the way and what their chances are the rest of the way. They both need to make changes, and I think they will. But the Mets obviously have the ability to do that. The PGA tomorrow starts in uh, Rochester and Oak Hill. Um, it's going to be very chilly. They're already going to back the time up a little bit more because they're going to have some frost in the morning. It's supposed to be in, in it's supposed to be cold tomorrow morning. Uh, tomorrow morning here, and I played golf this morning, and it was cold and windy. Tomorrow morning here, it's supposed to be 43 degrees when they would start teeing off. 43 degrees. Now, in Rochester, it might be 35 degrees. That's too cold for golf. Um, That's going to be an issue. The weather's going to be an issue. The rough is going to be an issue. They've had a lot of, you know, this course was brought into the rotation for the PGA, thinking the PGA would be in August, not in May. That course in May is not what they were looking for. That course in May is going to be, from, in the morning, it's going to be cold. It's also going to be a course that's not going to give them a lot of roll in, in May. It's also had a lot of rain recently. It's going to be chilly. Uh, it's going to be a tough playing course with a lot of tough rough. Accent always on keeping the ball in a fair way, especially this week with the rough the way it's going to be. Listen, when you look at golf right now, any big tournament, first of all, any tournament of any magnitude, you have two players that stand out above everybody else. They're both heavy favorites this week. They're both 7-1. to one. They stand out way ahead of the next guy's 14 to 1, and that is Rom Scheffler. Go Scheffler, Rom, go Rom Scheffler. They are, without any question, the best two players in the world. I think if you took 100 people, probably uh, 55 would say Rom's the best player, 45 would say Scheffler's the best player. It's one or the other. They're the two best players in the world, hands down. Okay, people like to put Rory in there. Rory doesn't deserve that. I'm sorry, he doesn't deserve it. Does he have ability? Absolutely, but he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't won in a long, long time. If you're talking majors and he's healthy, I think Kepka goes right to the top with the other two, just a smidge behind Rom and and Scheffler. When you're talking majors, when you're talking other tournaments, forget it. First of all, he's not involved anyway, but number two, he doesn't care. When they're majors, he cares. He led the Masters for three rounds. He played terribly on Sunday. Maybe the extra walking that week and the, and the softness bothered his knee. I think that did happen on Sunday. He looked like he was limping a little bit. I'm not making excuses for him, but I think that was an issue. I think he wore down a little bit. He's very dangerous. He's 20 to 1. He's very dangerous anytime there's a major. And the PGA has been the best player in the world over the last five, six uh, years of the PGA, by far. If I'm going to give you a guy, now I'm not going to give you Scheffler around because I'm not going to pick the favorite in any of these tournaments. So, and you know, I love Scheffler. Scheffler's my guy. I love Scheffler now. But um, I'm going to pick, and he's not getting yeah, generous odds this week. He's 17 to 1. 
It's not bad, but it's not like, you know, lights out. I like Cantley this week. First of all, he's on the brink of breaking through. He's on, in a big way, he's on the brink of breaking through. Number two, he can get the job done off the tee. Number three, I think the addition of Joey LaCava, who's a favorite of mine, and you know from our shows for years back, first Freddie Couples, Caddy, then he went with Tiger. Tiger released him because Tiger's not going to be playing anymore, let's be honest. You might see Tiger in the Masters. You might see Tiger playing in a uh, Champions Tour event where he can use a cart, where they give him big money sometimes to go play in that. Get Tiger, get Phil out there and have some fun. That could happen. But the bottom line is Tiger's done. Everybody knows it. Anyone who watched him limp around, Augusta knows it. So he let, he let him go, which was very nice of him. And Joey spoke very highly of Tiger. said Tiger was great to him. said Tiger was great to him the entire time in every way. And uh, Joey goes with Cantley now, and I think he's going to help Cantley. I really do. I would always look uh, at throwing uh, Kepke in the mix because it's a major. I am very worried about Victor Hovland. He's very dangerous. Very dangerous. He's starting to improve with his wedge and the rest of his game. He can be very, very impressive. He's 30 to 1. Um, but gun to my head, my pick is Cantley at 17 to 1. We'll see if he gets the job done. As we said, coming off the uh, pick of mage, I will try to make it two for two in the uh, Preakness. We'll go over to Preakness Field with Brad uh, tomorrow mo- morning. You'll have that up uh, relatively early. Um, I thought you saw last night in the Lakers, Denver, exactly what you're going to expect. They're both going to struggle to guard the other team. Now, Lakers are a much better defensive team than they were, obviously, by a long stretch. Uh, But Denver can't guard anybody. The way they played the fourth quarter was utterly foolish. But home home court has been huge. Both these teams have not lost in the playoffs at home, the only two teams in the playoffs that did that. Plus, in the regular season, their games were won by the home teams. I thought Denver would win last night. Um, I think it's going to go seven games. I thought Denver would win the seventh game in Denver. I just don't think either team can stop the other team when they have to. Lee Davis has to play really well to make up for how good Jokic is. And you saw him do that last night. Uh, it's going to be a long series. I don't think there's any question. It's going to be a very close series. Uh, I'll go with the Celtics in the other series. I, again, would not be surprised if it went seven. I I would not be surprised if it went seven games. I I have a lot of respect for, for Miami, for their toughness, for... 
uh, how good Spolstra is for Butler, especially in the fourth quarter, for what Adebato is day in and day out, what you get from Lowry, Love. Um, I think I think if the Heat are going to take this seven games, they're going to steal a game in Boston, quite possibly tonight. They're going to steal a game in the first two. If they get out 2 nothing, I, I don't think they'll be able to take it all the way to seven games. I think that they have to get breakthrough in Boston in the first two games to make this a long series. I think Boston obviously has the home court, and they have the better team. If they get in game seven, you know, Again, listen, I've never been a Philly guy. You know I've never been a Harden guy. So I wasn't surprised by what happened. I like Doc Rivers both personally and as a coach. I like Doc Rivers. I think it was Doc's fault. But that doesn't matter in coaching. You know that. But I think I, I'm hoping we get Boston-LA because I don't have any feeling for Boston-Denver. I hope we get Boston-LA. But I, right now, my pick was, it was Denver in seven. But I'm hoping the Lake, I'm rooting for the Lakers to win because I want to see Boston LA. I think the Heat, uh, Celtics are winning six or seven. I think they're too big a favorite, but I do, think, I do think the Heat will win a couple of games. I do think the Heat will at least win two games in the series. I don't think it's going to be a wipeout by any stretch. I think they're too mentally tough for that. I think they're too well coached for that. I think they're too tough for that. And I think it, they could have a chance, especially with Butler going off. You know, the Butler didn't go off in the Knicks series. He really didn't. Not the way he went off in the Milwaukee series by any stretch. He really didn't go off in the Knicks series. Knicks did a decent job on him in a lot of different ways, the way they attacked him. They did a very good job on him. They really did. They did that, 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 that they did well. But I think Denver's just, I think playing in Denver with the altitude and their offense with all their three-point shooting with what Jokic brings to the table, I just think that neither team is going to be able to shut the other team down, and that's going to be the difference in a long series. You know, I think getting back to baseball for a second, and especially the Mets, listen, I know it looks really ugly now, and it looks really ugly over the last 15, 16 games. And there's no question this team has lost its way. I don't think there's any question about that. But this is a salvageable situation. It is not, not, it's way too early to count this as being anything final. It really isn't. But it's not good. That, you know, listen, let's be honest. It is not good by any stretch. They just look like the deadest of dead teams. And when, you, and when you're getting scored on every night in the first inning, when you're getting behind every single game, 
nothing's worse than that in baseball. When you're going bad and you're getting scored on early in every game and playing every game from behind, it is really tough. And the Mets just right now, you know, they're scrambling for offense and they're really scrambling for uh, starting pitching. They got to make a bunch of changes. There's no question about it. So as we said, tomorrow morning, Preakness should be up by noon. Look for that. We'll see if we can put some more money in your pocket. We will try and do that. It's not a great Preakness field. I hear, I hear the rumblings again of everybody wanting to change thoroughbred racing. I'm against that. I know the what you're hearing now is, well, baseball wasn't too big to change. Thoroughbred racing can change. Well, if you modernize the Triple Crown and put one race on the first Saturday in May and the second race, you know, on the you know, second Saturday in June. And then the third one on the third Saturday in July. Or whatever the exact calendar you're looking for. You take away the whole idea of what has made this so grueling and so special. Because we have had times when everyone has seen the drought and said, oh, oh, I just, you know, the game has changed. It's modernized. It's different now. Breeding is different. Training is different. No longer can you do that. It's impossible. No horse can do that. They said that. The time of citation and the long drought until a horse from Virginia named Big Red came along and put the life back in the sport by proving it could be done. And not only proving it could be done, setting the track record in the Derby, in the Preakness, the world record in the Belmont, and becoming the greatest horse to ever look through a bridle. But you know what? Then you heard it couldn't be done again. But it has been done. And you know, in the 70s, it was done by a firm in his battles with Alidor. Then it was done by Seattle Saloon. It should have been done by Spectacular Bid. We've had other droughts and everyone said, that can't be done, it can't be done. But it's been done again. And again, it can be done. Am I saying it's going to get done this year? No, I don't think. I don't think Major's that type of horse. That's not the point. You don't have to change this. What makes it so special is that it still is three tracks, three different distances. Over five weeks. 
culminating with a mile and a half test to the champion. The fact that it's hard is what makes it great. If it's easy, it's never great. If it's accommodating, it takes away its greatness. Let it be a special horse that wins it. Let it be not for everybody to do. I understand that everyone now runs from the Preakness two weeks later. No one wants to run their horse again. You don't even get a horse following. They, they used to have a thing where the horse that, you know, finished with the highest ranking for the, you know, in the three races, got a bonus. Put that back in if you want. Put in a bonus that you get X for starting in all three races. Give an incentive for that even if you have to. And I understand they're running the other way because that's not how they train their horses now. But we know it can be done. We've seen it done. We've experienced it being done. So the idea that it can't be done is utter nonsense. The idea that it's passed the horses by and it's passed the training methods by is utter nonsense because it's been done and done again and again. And it will be done again. And we will make a big deal out of it when it happens because it is special. And sometimes we have to wait a generation to see it happen again. So be it. That doesn't take away from it. That increases its value. I'm for one not to see this changed. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.